Please turn with me in your Bibles, that Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Would you consider yourself to be a wise person? And I'm not thinking of the three stooges, Moe and Curly. Oh, wise guy. Um, nothing like that. You're younger than I am. You probably have to look up who the three stooges even are. Um, but real wisdom, walking in the fear of the Lord, understanding reality uh, according to God's design, and applying that understanding to everyday life. And I, I think most of us would say, well, yeah, yeah, I have some level of understanding. I seem to be able to make sense of, of most of the things going on around me, but I'd like more wisdom. I'd like to grow in my ability to interpret uh, what's going on around me and the response, and to have a right response to the attitudes and actions of family, friends, coworkers, or even the wisdom to respond appropriately to myself if I dare go there. Um, so God in His kindness and His love for us has given us His Word. And it's a Word that transcribes His heart of wisdom to us. Uh, so if we want to know what wisdom looks like, how to grow in wisdom, uh, then we must give our attention to the wisdom of God and His living Word. So we're in chapter 7 here of Ecclesiastes where the wise King Solomon is our teacher, someone who's intimately familiar with his experience. And he's taking us on this journey of life as we know it, um, showing us what he's learned and, and, and these experience, deep ponderings of life so that we can respond rightly uh, in the fear of the Lord, uh, walking in wisdom, not in folly, living in dependence and trust in the Lord who is the eternal answer to all of this vanity that he is uncovering. Uh, so I'm going to read the last half of chapter 7 this morning. Uh, before we ask the Lord's help in prayer to understand and apply this wisdom. So beginning at verse 13. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what He has made crooked? In the day of prosperity be joyful, and in the day of adversity consider, God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. In my vain life I have seen everything, there is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Be not overly righteous, and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked, neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand, for the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise. But it was far from me. That which has been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? I turn my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom in the scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. And I find something more bitter than death, the woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. 
He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find the scheme of things, which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man among a thousand I found, but a woman among all these I have not found. See, this alone I found, that God has made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. This is the wisdom of God, wisdom that we need uh, as his people. Let's pray together. Lord God, prepare the soil of our hearts even now to receive your word to us. It is a word that goes forth with power. Power because it is you who send it and apply it to our lives. And so Lord, I ask your help now that you would guide, protect, lead in the preaching of your word that it might be handled rightly, and that we might be receptive to what it is you would show us. The beauty of your wisdom and walking in the fear of you. Lord, we need this, but we need your help um, for this wisdom can come only from you. And that's our desire, uh, to walk faithfully in it. We are grateful for your word to us, your word that endures though all else passes away. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we think about what gives meaning and purpose and satisfaction uh, to our days. Um, what would that be? It's a question that we're all going to have to answer at some point in time. Some of you have thought much about that question, what gives meaning and purpose to life. Some of you may need to think a little bit more about that uh, in the days ahead. Um, but life under the sun is vanity. It passes quickly. And until we're confronted with this in you know, the fear and in wisdom of the Lord, we could resign ourselves to merely surviving from one stage of life to the next, hoping that we make it to the next stage of life. Uh, this was conveyed quite well by Billy Crystal in the film uh, The City Slickers, not one that I'd recommend for general uh, viewing. Um, but in this, in this clip, uh, Billy Crystal, it's bring your dad to school day. And so he's standing in front of this middle school class and uh, he's going to share about, about his job. Well, he's not very excited about his job and even less excited about sharing it with the class. He sells, uh, I think he sells airtime for radio ads. And so he stands there with this blank look on his face and then he goes in to this speech to these poor kids and here's what he says. Value this time in your life, kids, because this is the time in your life when you still have your choices. It goes by fast. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything, and you do. Your 20s are a blur. 30s, you raise your family, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? 40s, you grow a little pot belly. You grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud. One of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. 50s, you have a minor surgery. You call it a procedure, but it's a surgery. 60s, you'll have a major surgery. The music is still loud, but it doesn't matter because you can't hear it anyway. Uh, 70s, you and your wife retire to Fort Lauderdale. You start eating dinner at 2 in the afternoon. You have lunch around 10, breakfast the night before. You spend most of your time wandering around malls looking for the ultimate soft yogurt and muttering, how come the kids don't call? 80s, you may have a major stroke, and you end up babbling with some nurse who your wife can't stand, and you call mama. Any questions? Um, 
that's it. There's the summary of life. Um, and by the, by the expression, I mean, we're laughing about it, by the expression on these kids' faces, they're just like, what, what has just happened? What is my life? Um, not all that motivating. Um, not, a lot of, not a lot of meaning and real purpose in a life that's viewed that way, just very simplistic, linear, uh, finite way. Um, certainly there has to be a more helpful way an encouraging way to think about uh, life in our teens and 20s, 30s, 40s, 70s, 80s. Um, And no one has set out with greater uh, intensity and fervor than the wise preacher teacher here in Ecclesiastes in this pursuit of wisdom and the meaning of life than than Solomon. Um, he's, He's taken this life, he's looked at it from every possible angle He's determined to live wisely, to take advantage of the days that are given. But he admits, again in this section of Ecclesiastes, that the harder he looks, the more wisdom he tries to grasp, the more that seems beyond his reach. The more of life that doesn't seem to make sense, the less that he can understand and is forced to lay it before the one who understands all. That's where we pick up here in verses 13 and 14. Look around you. Consider the works of God. Things that you seem to understand and things that you don't understand at all. They they, they go together and they will come together and God's hand is in all of them. I learned about uh, several families. Many of you have families or uh, friends who live in Texas, Houston, Waco, San Antonio, all of these different places, and they've shared just how quickly uh, their life changed with this snowstorm that, that went through. Um, you know, they're sitting at home just sort of watching the snow, and then the power goes out. And we're not talking just for a few minutes or a few hours. We're talking days. And then some of them lose water. Um, and they're amazed at just how quickly their life could change. They went from life, life as expected, as normal, to trying to survive within 24 to 36 hours. Um, Alarming for a lot of uh, people. And I know they're they're still recovering from that in so many ways. But they didn't see it coming. There was little they could do about it. Um, And we could say the same thing for a a coronavirus or a crash of the stock market or an election or an illness. Um, So so this is the work of God's providence um, to us. Thinking of how his ways are just unsearchable. That, that is a major conclusion for the wise. Um, in the next chapter, we hear this again. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. And this can grate against us because we want to know. We want to find out what's going to happen or just what's going on why things are happening the way they are and i think that's really the engine behind you know so much of this information age somebody out there knows something that i should know right now um and so we spend so much time panning for this it's also why the palm readers and the psychic readers and horoscopes why that's a major industry right we want to know be able to plan for every contingency. And so we need to heed the wisdom of God here 
that, that God will make straight and clear, or God, God will make crooked and unclear what He has determined for every person sitting in this room. He shows us what He chooses to show us for our good, for our growing in holiness to be more like He is. And that's something we need to be okay with. Actually, more than okay with it. We are created and called to rest in this. God will allow and He will orchestrate things in our lives that we simply will not understand. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. We must be resolved uh, to that. So brothers and sisters, there's, God, God is not flipping a coin in your life. You need to hear that. Um, he's not flipping a coin in the life of the church. He knows all and is, is working all according to His eternal plan. And that's a plan designed to draw us deeper into His arms of love to show us His kindness, we've heard this morning, to show us His mercy, His faithfulness. God's providence is part of that sanctifying work in our lives. The Holy Spirit, one way to think about this, the Holy Spirit is, is doing that work on the inside, convicting us, teaching us, helping us. Providence is moving and changing, directing on the outside. But the, the purpose, the goal is the same. To make us more like Jesus. Um, so let, let's take advantage of uh, the good gifts that God brings in His providence. Verse 14, enjoy those things that come from His hand. Um, I think at times we can really, we can miss some of the happiness that God intends for us. And those everyday, everyday things in, in life um, that maybe could draw a smile. Instead of stopping having to ponder deeply all of those things, rejoice in them. Rejoice in God's provision. Um, he's good. He gives good things to His children. You can celebrate that. But hold the prosperity and the adversity together. They are both from His hand. I think we're really struggling with, with something that's going on in life. We just don't understand it. What God is doing in His providence. Uh, we need to go to Job. Run to Job uh, if you need to. And you don't have to get through the first two chapters of Job before you're really silenced in lament. Which is very real, very uh, necessary to cry out to the Lord. Uh, we do that in submission to His wisdom. You think of how Job was at the height of prosperity. I mean, it, Physically, relationally, materially, we might even say spiritually, from our finite perspective. And then he faces adversity like really none of us have truly faced in our life. His wife can't take it anymore, and he says, look at, look at what you have to show for your faithfulness, Job. Why don't, why don't you just curse God and die? Here's what God has done for you. Curse Him, get that off your chest, and die with some peace of mind. And then what Job says next, we do well to remember this at any given moment. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? Are we somehow immune to that? He did not sin in his response. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
So, so living with that awareness and appreciation of God's providence, that, that allows us to take a very honest and realistic view of life, um, even in the sufferings that we are enduring, that, that, that we may yet endure. We lay them before the Lord. And even in that process, beloved, that process in seeing what is happening, committing it to the Lord, peace enters into that space. Um, there's a contentment, even a joy in those places that is elusive to all but the children of God. Um, John Flavel, uh, in the mystery of providence, he reminds us of this. The written word tells us that the best way to gain inward peace and tranquility of mind under puzzling and disturbing troubles is to commit ourselves and our cares to the Lord. So good and bad will come. Um, and God is in them both. He's above them. He is wooing us, refining us, so that right now, so that today, we might love Him more, that He would be our all in all. Um, I'll just... Uh, Jump back here to the Avengers in the Marvel series. And the first Avengers um, director of S.H.I.E.L.D., Nick Fury, is going to uh, Steve Rogers, who's Captain America. And he tells him that this superpower source has been stolen and it's time to, to come together for the mission. And, uh, and Captain America, who was frozen in the ice for 70 years, you know, a lot of things have changed. And he's like, there's really nothing that's going to surprise me anymore. And uh, Nick Fury turns to him and says, Ten bucks says you're wrong. And later on in the film, they're walking on the deck of the flying aircraft carrier, and Steve Rogers flips him a $10 bill. Uh, he had seen, there, there was a lot more that was blowing his mind here uh, than what he ever could imagine. And as we move into verses 15 and 20, through 22, you know, the wise teacher is saying, I've seen it all. Um, I've seen it all, and yet there is a lot that's still blowing my mind, a lot that I don't understand. And he gives some examples of this. The good will die in spite of their goodness. And, and the wicked will endure, live to a ripe old age, in spite of their wickedness. How do you make sense of that? Who can understand that? Wisdom and living a righteous life, that's not always a guarantee that it's all going to work out the way that we expect. I mean, sometimes the very law of justice and retribution, that's violated in this life under the sun. So even as, as advantageous as it is, don't be overly dependent on wisdom for your own benefit. Um, may not work out the way that you expect. And when wisdom doesn't produce the results that you expected, don't let that horrify you. That's, that's verses 16 and 17. Spare yourself the disappointment. Some things in God's providence are just bizarre and beyond explanation. Don't get all riled up by that. Pursue righteousness, pursue wisdom, but know it's not the end-all, be-all. Human wisdom is not the ultimate good. I was reading a little uh, comment on this section. Good summary. A proper fear of God will prevent trusting in wisdom and righteous living alone for security and also prevent indulgence in wickedness and folly. Um, so there's no formula here. No formula. And I hope that's a helpful reminder for us. The Lord has been smacking me uh, across the head with this all week long. 
You know, you may think you understand or you have life figured out and then you run up against something that you just never expect. Um, which should be, it should be freeing for us. It should actually loosen our grip. Um, I think we don't want to try to keep, keep it all together all the time. God has the last word in our lives. He has the last word in your joys. He has the last word in your pain. And there's nothing that can separate you or me from His love. And that's a love that drives out fear. That enables us to do our best to make wise decisions for the day and then to leave it there. To leave it with God. Because He's there either way. He's here with us right now. He'll, he'll go before us, be here with us tomorrow. Life under the sun is a God-inhabited life, uh, said uh, Dr. S. Wine. The bent world rests and rebels within the arms of God. The whole earth is full of His glory. So wisdom is good, but it's not the ultimate good. And it even takes great wisdom to apply the wisdom that we've been given. Verses 21-22 through 22 is an example you know, we want to listen carefully to conversations. Um, we want to be able to communicate well. But don't listen to everything that everyone says. Um, in other words, don't eavesdrop on conversations or on things that are said that you weren't intended to hear. Um, because people say things they don't mean all the time. Um, they're, they're in the moment. Emotions are high and, and, and they'll say things not... Think about what it is they're saying. Don't, don't insist on hearing stuff like that. It's not the way of wisdom, and as, as we know well, uh, it creates more misunderstanding. It creates a lot of heartache. Um, oh, and here's some extra motivation. What if everything you said about another person, conversation over the phone, over the keyboard, everything you said was heard by that person? Gulp. Um, I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. And we know it. Okay, so let's heed the warning here. Guard our tongues, the poison pen, the poison keyboard. Let's be kind and charitable with our words. Slow to speak. Oh, there's great wisdom in that. So the wise teacher, he's, he's tested wisdom. He's searched it out. He's conducted um, all of these experience, concluded that... Um, that even wisdom can only go so far in this God-inhabited life under the sun. Uh, he says that the wise and foolish are going to meet the same end at death. And then he says in verse 26 that there is something more bitter, more hurtful than death, which is really interesting. He's already shared you know, that, that the end is better than the beginning. We've talked about that. Consider your days and the days of death before it happens and then make adjustments in life accordingly. So for the one walking in the fear of the Lord, death is not to be feared. But there's something that can be hurtful and more disastrous than the end itself. And it's pictured there uh, in 26 through 28. And Solomon's likely, he's sharing his personal experience with men and women uh, and the schemes and snares that reside in the hearts of both men and women. Uh, but I think we need, to, we need to keep one eye on the historical comment here and another on the poetic force of these words. Um, so as we read these words, I hope they sound familiar to us if we spent some time in the Proverbs, especially Proverbs 7, Proverbs 9, um, Proverbs 4. 
where wisdom and folly are personified so we can get a better understanding of how they work. Proverbs 9.13, it says, The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. That seems pretty consistent with our passage here. The adulterous woman is a picture of folly. And the fool is ensnared by her, but the one walking in wisdom is able to escape her. So living foolishly is a dead end. He doesn't, he doesn't beat around the bush there. This is a dead end. It will only hurt you and those around you. All right, kind of like the two guys who were moving a TV and they had to bring it to the second floor and rather than carrying it to the second floor, they decided we're going to beat this and we're going to make a catapult. And so they made a catapult at the end of their moving truck, put the TV on one end of the board and the biggest guy jumped on the other end. Uh, you know how this is going to go. And amazingly, the TV um, got into the air but came down very quickly and smashed into a million pieces. A foolish decision that could have hurt a lot more than just the TV. And I realize that day-to-day life, okay, we don't set out to live like this. You're not going to wake up tomorrow, look at the calendar and say, you know what, I'm going to live like a fool today. I'm going to live like an idiot and see what happens. I hope you don't do that. Um, but here's the thing. We don't, we don't have to make a conscious decision to live foolishly to actually live foolishly. It's our natural bent in sin. Um, In sin, we are more than happy to do things our own way, to heed the wisdom of this world, to listen to the lies of the devil rather than the love of God for us. So you and I will respond this way, but for the mercy of God that keeps us and holds us. He inclines our hearts to Him. And so... When we turn, we want to reject the folly of sin. Like the man who turns away from the pretty girl on the corner or on the screen and says, no, I'm not, I'm not made for this. I belong to God and I'm going to be faithful to Him. I'm going to walk in wisdom, be faithful to the spouse that He's given, if that is the case. So we can escape the temptations of folly. Even, even uh, as we're seeing here, that the sexual temptation that promises satisfaction and, and intimacy, but then leaves us empty. It's important for us to remember that, that loving our neighbor is not using our neighbor to satisfy our own desires, our own lusts. I mean, that, that is the order of the day in the world around us. Men and women using, consuming each other instead of looking out for one another, looking to the needs of the other and loving that person. So even a mutual misuse is not love. Um, But with the help of the Holy Spirit, with these gospel reminders accountable to one another, we can escape and run from these temptations. You know, another angle we can can see here in Solomon's experience is his experience with women. Uh, Some professionally, a lot more personally and intimately. Even as the wise king in Israel, his choice of women was not overly wise. First uh, Kings 11, 700 wives and princes and 300 concubines, and they turned away his heart. Um, so the, these women are not from the covenant community of God's people. They don't have any desire to walk in obedience to the Lord. Um, and so looking back, you know, it may very well be as Solomon looks back on this, that 
he could not recall a wise or godly woman in the mix. Um, you can also appreciate the idea here that, that Solomon is seeking to understand. He's looking for the scheme of things, seeking to understand men and women. And he might find one guy in a thousand that he sort of understands, but he, can't, he didn't understand any woman. Um, and he should know. And uh, perhaps his searching has led to the conclusion of Psalm 64, Proverbs 20. The mind and heart of men and women are deep. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water. We know this to be true. It can be really hard to understand the motives and intentions of other people. Um, And so here, men and women were called to live with one another with compassion and patience and gentleness with all of our glorious God-given differences. So Solomon could not wrap his mind or heart around the intentions and concerns of a woman. That may tell us more about women than actually Solomon. It may show us the depth of feeling and compassion and perception in the hearts of women. I don't think Martin Luther um, would ever have admitted to figuring out his wife, uh, Katie Von Bora, which is God's design, by the way, that men would never completely figure women out. Why? Because it keeps men, I think it keeps men learning. It keeps them pursuing. It keeps them fighting for a deeper companionship in the fear of the Lord. But Luther did make this observation. He said, there is nothing on earth so lovely as a woman's heart with God's grace to guide its love. Yeah. Men, that's something to be praying for your wives. And for our sisters in Christ. And sisters, you can be praying that for yourself. A heart of grace that guides your love. So the wise teacher here, he's turned over every, every rock of wisdom, every scheme of humanity. And his conclusion here is our conclusion. God, God made it good. Genesis chapter 1, he created his image bearers to worship him and glorify him. There's the original righteousness right here in verse 29. But humanity has messed it up. Messed it up by seeking our own way, following our own understanding in the delusion that we might somehow displace God in our lives. So now you have original sin which follows in Genesis 3. That's what's wrong with this world. It's, It's not of God's doing. It's not of Him. It is of humanity. We are the problem. And that, this has to be embraced if there's going to be any hope, any, any hope for life or any peace. This is why so many will reject the gospel because it's, it's never their fault. Whatever problem it may be, it's always someone else's responsibility, someone else, some other system's responsibility. Somebody else is always to blame. There is no need for grace if you do not see your guilt. But considering that human beings considering what it is we're capable of, as the teacher does here, we need serious help. And we need a God who is capable of so much more, capable of undoing this mess and all of the eternal consequences of our scheming. And this is what we have in the triune God who shows us mercy. Instead of crushing us as we deserve, He comes for us. We have a second Adam, who did not fail 
in his obligations, not fail in his obedience, but lived in perfect obedience to God the Father. The Lord Jesus is the last Adam. He was crushed in our place. So by faith in him, we could have a place at the table with him. That's what our God has done. All of our many schemes forgiven in Christ. And so now the great, the great I am, the Holy One of Israel, is our Father. And we can love Him, we can worship Him, we can live wisely in the fear of Him all of our days. Let's do that with His help. Lord God, we do thank You for this, Your Word, Your very wisdom transcribed to us. Lord, we admit that it can be difficult to swallow, hard to apply, hard to understand. There is so much in Your good and wise providence that we do not understand. Sometimes it's good to know that we're not alone seeing the, the wisdom of, of Solomon and his experience. And so, Lord, we look to you, we lean upon you in faith and trust to hold us, to go before us, working by your Holy Spirit through your, your providence, forming us more to the likeness of our Savior. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom from on high that has come for us And we go now, united with him, with great joy, live in the fear of you, our God. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.